First of all, I want to I want to commend you. I want to commend this house because uh, the change that I have seen in this place over the last I don't know how many long seven years or whatever since I've kind of been coming out here is remarkable, and I think it's really really good. I want to tell you there's some really good stuff happening here, and I want to commend the worship team. I, I loved your worship. I love just the sense of the presence of God. Music, the music doesn't bother me, you know, whether the music's great or not. What, I, what I'm listening for is the presence of God. Man, I felt the presence of God this morning. So, so, so I want to commend you in that. And as, as I was, um, I want to commend the leadership for all the changes and stuff around the place. This place looks great. Looks amazing, doesn't it? If you were here before, you would know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I uh, just want to, commend the guys, because you know what, something like this doesn't happen without a lot of hard work, and it's not just, uh, I love Craig and Trinity to bits, but it's not just them, they lead the charge, but a lot of people have put a lot of effort and time into this, I can see that, and so I want to I want to just commend all of you, I don't know who you all are, but as I was just here in the worship, I was like, Lord, what are you saying to this house, and um, he just said to me, confidence, he said, there's some really good stuff happening here, but the people need to be more confident, so I just, want to, I just want to say to you, God wants to put confidence in your hearts this morning. God wants you to be confident in who you are. Confident in who you are as an individual, but confident in who you are as a family. Confident in who you are as the people of God. Um, be confident in who you are in your life. And, and uh, Philippians 1.6 says this, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. We can be confident that he who's begun something is going to perfect it. He, it's, it's, we don't be confident in what's happened so far. We can be confident that he's taking us on. Amen? Let's, let's have that, that onward-looking kind of perspective and Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we can, with confidence, approach the throne room of grace. We, we're a people who can be confident. Proverbs 3.26 says, For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You know, we can, we can live. The Bible's full of scriptures that tell us as the people of God that we can be confident in who we are. We can be confident in our God, and we can live lives that are confident under His grace. Amen? So I just want to put that out there for you. To just, just embrace that in your heart. You know what? I need to be a confident man, a confident woman of God, and I want to live my life to bring glory to Him. And as a house, I want to encourage you to be confident in who God has made you and in what God is doing in your midst. Just, just, just be, you know, if you're, if you're leading a, a connect group or you're leading worship or you're leading, uh, you know, the children or youth or something, just be confident in that. Be confident in what God is doing in your midst because it's a good thing that I see the Lord is doing. So, uh, yeah, a little bit about me. I want to um, just come and share a word with you this morning. I, um, as, as Rima said, I, I passed a, uh, the church Manukau New Life and um, have a beautiful Samoan wife, if you haven't met me, and seven children, two boys, five daughters, five daughters that are all creatives and that talk a lot and uh, make mess everywhere. They sing and dance all over the house. Um, and they're a lot of fun, but my goodness, that keeps me busy. Um, <laughs> And so uh, I, I grew up in a family of boys. And if you grew up in a family of boys, you just walked around the house, you were like, that was about, you know, maybe you got a grunt. <laughs> you know, that was about all you did. But I, I, I swear, my five daughters will all talk to me at the same time. I'm, I'm having a conversation. One, another one starts. And they just, they just, just talk at you. It's like, what's with this, you know? So I'm really, you need to pray for me. I'm growing in grace in that. Um, 
and learning how to deal with uh, teenage daughters and yeah, boys, boys I find kind of okay, but daughters, man, it's, it's a new experience for me. Um, I want to talk to us this morning about the heart. I want to talk about your hearts today. Uh, and I, I think this is part of growing our confidence in the Lord and part of learning how to deal with life is learning how to deal with the inner person. The inner person. How do we deal with our hearts? Uh, I've got this slide up here, keeping the heart. And I, I love this picture of this guy surfing. Um, and I don't know if there's any surfers here this morning. I, I don't make that claim to fame. Um, I had a go, but uh, wasn't, wasn't so good at it. But um, he, he's up on the wave there, and he is, he's away. He's free. He's in a moment of glory right there. Um, and I praise God that Jesus died on the cross for us to set us free. Amen? He set us free to get up on that wave, and we're sailing. And that's, that's how many of us began our Christian walk. It was, thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for the freedom you won for me. Thank you for the victory I have. But you know what? In life, sometimes there comes a crazy wave out of somewhere that knocks you off your surfboard, right? And, and I want to talk this morning about how not just to get free, but how to stay free. Because I've found that that's one of the most challenging things in my life is that things come out of nowhere at you. Things come, uh, you know, challenges or, or words or situations just like you didn't see that one coming, come at you and it's like, whoa, that one just knocked me off the, the board here. And I've got to learn how to keep free. I've got to learn how to stay free. Does anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? Because I, I, I got free in Jesus, but then the enemy threw something at me or just life threw something at me. So I want to talk about that in the context of the garden today. Any gardeners here? I, I, uh, I did a little bit of gardening, but not a whole lot of gardening. But I noticed as I read through the Bible that the Bible connects the garden with the heart. And so I want to talk about some scriptures from the, the Word of God this morning about the garden because we can learn some things from the garden about how to keep our hearts free, how to stay free. Let me read you some scriptures here and we'll pray and get into this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put a man who he had formed, the man who had formed. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. It was Adam's job to maintain the garden, to keep it, to look after it. Mark chapter 14. Another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He's praying in the garden. He took Peter, James, John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You know, you've got you to watch what's happening in the garden of your heart. And this key verse here, Proverbs 4, keep your heart, maintain your heart, look after your heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of the garden of your heart grow, spring forth the issues of life. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to each of our lives today. Help us to be a people who would keep our hearts in great shape would keep the garden of our hearts free of weeds and rocks and offense. And Lord, we would, we would be a people who live 
lives confidently as your children, as your sons and daughters. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said amen. Well, like I said, I have, I have five daughters, and one of them, our middle daughter, Liana, a very precious daughter, she, she came to me the other day and she said, Dad, I've got a school project. We've got to grow some something. We've got to grow something for our school project. So we went down to, uh, I think it's the plant barn in Takanini there, and uh, talking to this guy, he said, oh, you know, Liana needs to grow something. So he was very generous. He got us some pots from out the back, and, and my daughter's like, um, we'll need some soil too. And I'm like, okay. And so she's, he says, well, this is the best soil here. Um, and he, he says this, he says, you know, the soil is the most important part of growing good plants. He says, you've got to have good soil. If you've got the right nutrients in the soil, then you'll get great plants growing in the garden. And I thought about that because, you know, the soil represents our hearts, right? In the parable of the sower, Jesus said the word went forth, but it was the soil, the heart that received it or rejected it that determined the fruit that came out of the seed. And so here we, we have this guy saying it's the soil that's really important. It's the heart. And so Liana's been growing some plants, and I think there's a picture up there of them maybe, um, of, of some of her plants that she's been growing uh, for her project. But here we read in this passage here that there's some gardens. Some gardens. There's the Garden of Gethsemane, and Adam's job was to, was to take care and to make sure that the wrong things didn't come into the garden. And, and he, he didn't do that well. He allowed the snake in the garden. The snake came in the garden, and the snake began to bring destruction into the, the heart of his family and began to, to ruin what was supposed to be a good garden. And then we've got the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is in the garden. It's a crucial point in the history of humanity, and he's praying. He's watching over the garden, and he's saying to his disciples, I'm teaching you here that you need to watch and pray when things are going tough. You know, I think the victory for the cross was won in the garden. The cross was terrible to go through on its own, but Jesus won the victory over the cross because it was in the garden that he said, it's not what I want, but it's what you want, Father, not my will, but your will. He won the battle in the garden. And for you and me, there will be a lot of victories that people will see us walk out in this life and they'll be, man, that's incredible. How are you doing that? But the, the victory was already won in your heart in the private place when in prayer as you sat before God and you, you said to your heart, heart, I'm going to surrender to the will of God in this. People see you living out a life and they go, wow, that's incredible. But they don't appreciate that it was won in the garden. It was won in the heart in the secret place. And finally, we have this heart here that King Solomon talks about. And he says this, he says, With all diligence, guard your heart. Above all else, keep your heart. That's, that's, that's putting a priority and emphasis on it, isn't it? Above everything else, with all diligence, guard your heart. Keep your heart. Watch over and, and maintain and take care of what's going on in your heart. When I read this verse as a young guy, I used to sort of think, right, you've got to guard your heart. That means you've got you to not let anything bad in there. You've got to build a wall, get arches on the wall, and, you know, like don't go anywhere or be anywhere that, that kind of allows anything bad into your heart. And I think there's an element of truth to that. We've got to, you know, keep out bad stuff. 
But I've come to realize as I've grown a little bit older, there's a, there's a whole other meaning to this here. Because there were, I had my heart in great shape, but there was a day when somebody just, it seemed like they drove a tractor through the garden and ripped it all up. You had the thing looking good and somebody walked through the middle of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody came and just said something or it was just like this situation just exploded and you were like, man, where did that all come from? I, I was talking to a brother recently and he, he was telling me about his work situation, how he was just doing a great job at work, but the boss was, uh, was having some difficult times uh, in his marriage and so something had gone wrong and so the boss blamed him for what he had done himself because he needed to somehow justify this to his wife. And it blames him for it. He ends up getting, you know, dismissed and then demoted and then laid off and brought back on a lower salary. And he's like, man, I got blamed for all this stuff the boss did. And I went through all this stuff. And he said, I'm trying to still, you know, do the right thing by my boss. But he said, it was actually illegal and terrible what happened to me. And he said to me, he said, the hardest thing in all this is keeping my heart right. The hardest thing is like, man, how do I keep my heart right before God? How do I not just allow bitterness and anger and all this offense to come in here because I was treated unjustly? I've been treated, I'm sure there's plenty of people here who could put their hand up and say, I've been treated unjustly, right? And the challenge in that situation is how do you keep your heart when someone just drove a tractor through it? How do you keep the garden looking good? I was talking to another sister who had just experienced horrendous rejection from her family. Her family had... Uh, just treated her really poorly and, and, and rejected her and made her feel worthless. And she was like, man, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm asking, God, you know, I'm just trying to work this through. But she said, it's really hard to keep my heart in a good place right now. And this is what I want to talk about today because these things happen. And I want to talk about how, how do we get out there? How do, we, how do we get the garden looking good? So I want to talk about some skills that I've discovered that can help us keep our hearts in a great place, in the middle of those times. The first one I've called rocks in the heart. Heard that saying, he's got rocks in the head. Well, there's rocks in the heart as well, a hard heart. Ezekiel 11 verse 18 says this, they will return to it. He's talking about God's people returning and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people. I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their heads what they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. Ezekiel twice talks about in the book of Ezekiel, talks about the Lord taking out a hard heart, taking the rocks out of the heart and putting a soft heart back into His people, a heart of flesh. And I've noticed in both of these contexts, He's talking about idols. He's talking about something else has taken the place of God in these people's hearts. And they have they love God, but they've lowered Him on the priority list, and something else has come up higher than the Lord, and their hearts begin to get hard. Their hearts have developed this hardening, this stiffness, these rocks in the heart, and God says, I'm going to remove those when they take the idols out of their lives. For you and I, it's, it's easy. It's easier than we realize as believers 
to go through offense, to go through difficulty, to go through problems, and to begin to just take our trust off God and put our trust in something else. I'll put my trust in my bank balance. I'll put my trust in my insurance company. I'll put my trust in my skills and my ability to do things. I put my trust in my possessions. I put my trust in, in, in these things here. And, and what happens is that subtly it, our hearts begin to harden. It's, it's sometimes easier to do that when you have the stuff, isn't it? When you don't have anything, you just got to trust God. You have no choice, but then you get blessed. I, I live a blessed life. I have money. I have possessions. I have the goodness of God has blessed me, but I've noticed that my heart can begin to drift towards trusting in the blessing rather than the blesser. And I have to keep my heart on Him. He is my all in all. He is my Lord. And I've got to trust Him when He tells me to take steps of faith and do this and do that. I've got to keep trusting Him. And so this morning, one of the things we've got to learn to do is, is to trust the Lord with all our hearts. And, and when, when things are challenging, that's when we've got to really make sure that we embrace worship, because I think worship is a great way of just reminding ourselves it's you, and it's you're the one I'm focusing on, you're the one I'm loving, you're the one I'm adoring. See, it's so important that we maintain that, that attitude of worship in our lives. And, and you've got, you got a great worship team here. They love to lead you and worship God. And, and, and we got to, you know, sometimes we can be here, and, and we should be seeking God and pressing into God, but there are other idols, there are other things, maybe even worries that we're allowing to dominate our thinking and our thoughts or what, what am I doing, what am I, you know, all these things in our lives. And we need to just push those to the side and say, God, I'm just here for you right now. I'm here to worship you. I'm here to press into you. Amen? And that's when he can just start pulling the rocks out, getting our hearts soft and ready for what he wants us to do. Amen? So if you're going through some tough stuff, let me encourage you, be a great worshiper. Who's seen, that? Who's seen that movie, Frozen? Anybody seen Frozen? Like I said, I've got some kids, and I feel like I've seen it about 10,000 times, you know? They love those movies. But, you know, in that, that movie, Frozen, Anna gets hit in the head, right? Doesn't she? With the ice. And the trolls say, oh, it's not fatal. It's okay. We can fix the head up. We've got, you know? But then she gets hit in the heart, and they go, oh, this is, this is fatal. Unless we can find someone who will do a sacrificial act of love. I want to tell you, when you feel like you got hit in the heart, you need to come to the one who gave a sacrificial act of love for you. You need to come and worship Him. You need to come and be with Him because He's the one that can heal your heart. He's the one that can bring that softness back to your heart as it's going cold and as it's going hard. Amen? So be a great worshiper. Number two, we've got to learn how to deal with weeds in the heart. The parable of the sower, seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. There's some good seed that gets into our lives, some good things that are developing, but the enemy comes along and wants to sow weed in your heart. Weeds. Some of you were thinking of something else right then. I've got this driveway, uh, this, this footpath, sorry, up to my house from my driveway, and it's this rock Thing, but somehow the weeds get in there, and every now and then I got to get out and pull out all the weeds. Just nobody planted them there; they just came on their own. They blew in from somewhere, and they they just make it look messy. And so I get one of the kids, and I've noticed that if you just rip the top off, 
Within about three days, they're back again. You've got to dig right down and pull the suckers out by the roots, right? You've got to learn how to get down to that, that deep part in our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to pull the root of the issue out in our lives. There's, there's some emotions that we struggle with that come from our heart. Loneliness, anger, sadness. There's some, there's some, some stuff that's going on in our hearts that we've got to learn to deal with the root cause of it, not just the fruit of it. We've got to learn not just to kind of be able to cope with it, but actually allow the Holy Spirit to get down to the root lie, the thought that has been there for a long time for some of us from when we were quite young, the, the, the root of rejection, the root of fear, the, the things that are right down there, and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us and allow Him to bring healing to that place and allow Him to pull that thing out by the roots. And that can be a painful process, but it's worth it because that weed is destroying the confidence and the goodness of God that He wants to bring forth in your life. And so we've got to allow Him to get in there and pull that out. And then our part is to, 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 to pour in some of the Word of God and memorize some Scripture that's relevant to however He's healing our lives. And, and if, you, if you need help there, get prayer, but get counseling. Go to one of your, your leaders or go to a counselor and, and, and say, I've got this thing that's going on in my life. I, I need to deal with the root cause. I want to get this out of my life. It's been there for too long. It's been a part of how I've thought about life, and it needs to change. Some of us need to learn to change the way we think, change the way we speak, and, and set a new course for our life. Amen? Go in a different direction. There are weeds in our hearts that we need to get rid of. Number three is what I call tears of the heart. There's this passage in and Samuel, where uh, David and Jonathan uh, are saying goodbye. Cut a long story short, they are, this is the last time they're going to be together. Um, Jonathan dies shortly after this. And because of Jonathan's father Saul, there's just not going to be any way for the two of them to, to meet up again. And it says this, that Jonathan wept, but David wept the most. David wept the most. This was, a, this was a sad moment in their lives. And Jonathan wept, but David wept the most. It's a healthy, good thing to cry. Did you know Jesus wept? Nehemiah wept. Jacob wept. David wept. Often Paul and the early church wept. They cried. I'm not sure when we started believing this absurd lie from Satan that it's weak to cry. I think Satan fills our heart with a lot of rubbish we need to reject. Tears are good for the heart. Jonathan wept, but David, who is one of the most emotionally whole people in the Bible, he wept the more. We think that, oh, going through this hard time, we say this as Kiwis, don't we? I've got to be strong. I've got to be strong for them. I've got to be tough for them. This person's crying. This person's upset. I've got to be strong for them. I'll be tough for them. Where did that come from? Did you know Romans chapter 12 says this? Weep with those that are weeping. Do you know if somebody's crying, God commands you to go cry with them. Wow, what? I, yeah, we need a weeping ministry here. We need somebody sign up for the weepers. And, and, and some of you are going, this is my life calling. You go find people that are upset and you just cry with them. 
Weep with those who weep. It's a command in the Bible. You are to weep with those that are upset. Don't go. The Bible doesn't go, go be strong for them. No, it says go weep with them. Go get messed up with them. Go let your mascara run with theirs. Come on. There's all sorts of crying, isn't there? You notice there's all sorts of crying? There's the silent criers, like. <laughs> there's the ugly criers, you know? <laughs> It's just everything everywhere, and there's the sobber in the corner, <laughs> you know. I, there's all sorts of crying, but, I, you know, it, whatever your crying style is, bro, just do it, man. You were, in the, you were in the church that allows you to cry. Angry cries, whatever cries. Just, you got to cry, man, because if you want to keep your heart in a good place, you got to learn to let the tears out. Some of you have got this like dam back there in the back of your heart. And I want to tell you, in New Zealand, I've seen some of the dams. You know what they have in the dam? They have these gates that they let the water out. Because if you don't let the water out, the dam can't cope with all the pressure that builds up, you know, miles and miles back there. And eventually the dam breaks and it's pretty ugly. Whole villages get wiped out. Families get destroyed because you don't know how to let some tears out. You don't know how to process that. You had somebody die in your life. You had some grief. You had something bad happen in your work, and you're just, oh, be strong. That's rubbish. It's not what David is doing here. I I, want to ask, um, you know, I know I'm in a pretty, I'm not in the city now. I'm out in the the tough place. You guys are tough out here. I'm just wondering, is there any blokes out here that with a stick have killed a lion? Anybody out here killed a lion with a stick? I want to know. Because, you know, King David, that's what he did. The lion took his lamb. He ran after it. I would have said, Mr. Lion, you have your lamb. I'm up the tree. i got to say that, being a city fella, you know. But King David ran after the lion. He grabbed the thing by the bed and beat it to death and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. That's a tough dude. That's a tough dude. That's not a wuss. And it says here he's bawling his eyes out. He's crying. Tough crier. Be a tough crier. Maybe that's for somebody here. Do you need to shed some tears today? Do you need to weep some, about something that's gone down in your life? The Bible says, weeping in the night, but joy comes in the morning. It doesn't say be tough in the night and pretend in the morning. See, you've got to weep through the night for the joy to come. I got no joy. Well, you haven't wept in the night. You got to weep through that. And then the joy will come in the morning. You got to go through the grief. Learn how to go through it. Learn how to come out of it. And back into that season of joy. Number four, dealing with coping mechanisms in the heart. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to root, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. I was reading a book called The Healing Code some time ago, and uh, the author talked about this situation about the biology and chemistry of the human body, how... If you or I are walking across the road and a truck, we, we turn and we see a truck heading towards us. He said, this 
chemical reaction happens in the brain. And all the cells in the body, some which were healing the body, some which were feeding the body, some which were doing all sorts of other good things for the body, get the signal from the brain, everybody stop doing whatever you're doing right now. Everybody produce adrenaline and everybody get the muscles moving as fast as possible to get off this road, right? And that's a good thing, yeah? That's a great thing right there because the body gets this, this burst of adrenaline and energy to get off the road and save you from being hit by the truck. The brain does what it's supposed to do. But he said the problem is that some people have lived in a state of, of abuse or terror or, or whatever it was for, for an extended length of time and the cells got kind of stuck in this rut of producing adrenaline and terror, whatever. And they've got stuck there producing this thing. This, and it, what has happened is that the, buildings, the body's built up this anxiety and this state of fear. And so none of the cells that were supposed to be healing the body are healing it anymore. And hardly any of them are feeding the body. And so the body is kind of deteriorating and getting sick. And, and these cells need to be reprogrammed so that they get back into the healing flow. Because the reality is the truck's not there anymore, but you're still living like the truck's there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think the same for our hearts. Sometimes we go through difficult seasons in our hearts where we, we are, we, we're going through trauma, we're going through trouble, we're going through grief, and, and rightly so in those times we, we, we develop some coping mechanisms just to get us through that. But here's the thing, when you get through the other side of that, you need to put those coping mechanisms aside. You need to say, you know what, I'm actually through that now. I'm not in that state anymore. I need to put some of those coping mechanisms away. Some of those things that I was doing just to survive, I don't need to do anymore. I know I'm speaking to somebody here this morning when I say this. You, you can imagine that if you just keep doing that, then there's, there's going to be this buildup of, of, of stuff in your heart where, where other parts of your heart are not getting cared for, not getting tended to and maintained because you're just busy doing this one thing to try and cope. You need to realize there was a time to build up and there's a time to tear down. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to dance. Some of us have thought we're still in that situation that happened two months, two years, maybe 20 years ago, but we're still living in that moment and Solomon's given us some real wisdom here. He said, there's a time for every season under heaven. And for some of us this morning, it's a time to let go of some of those coping mechanisms that are no longer required because you're in a different season now. You're in a safe place now. You're in a place where there's people who love you. There's, there's joy. We don't have to behave like that. We don't have to act like that anymore because you're in a different place today. The fifth and final thing is this, counsel for the heart. Maybe some of the things I've brought up this morning have touched on some issues in your heart, and I would love to pray for you, but one of the things that we, we all need is counsel. And Moses was a great pastor. He was a great leader. But he needed somebody to come and counsel him about how he was doing ministry. His, his issue was that he thought that he had to do everything on his own before him and God. And, and his father-in-law Jethro came and said, Moses, no, this is, this is actually not helping you and your family. It's not actually helping the people. 
And as a, as a pastor, I regularly go for counseling. Every eight weeks, I go for supervision, and my supervisor asks me questions. And I've, I talk to many pastors, and they say the same thing. They go for counseling. And, uh, you know, I kind of grew up like a Kiwi bloke thinking you just, you just tough it through. You just work it out. You, you just man it through it all. And courage and man, that's, that's it. But, you know, what I want to just encourage is some of us will not actually get the breakthrough that we need until we go get some counseling. We go get some help. We go get, talk to somebody else and say, this is the stuff I've been thinking and trying to wrestle with in my mind. And, and the, the counselor's job is to listen to all that and say, well, here is a perspective you may not have thought about. How about this? One of the hugest breakthroughs in my life happened when I was actually doing counseling training. Thinking, i got to get trained up how to do counseling. And part of that, you had to get some counseling for yourself. And I was like, wow, that, that just, just shifted a whole lot of stuff in my world. I, I, I grew up in a pretty, you know, normal, ordinary place, Gloria Vale. I thought that was all, um, you know, um, pretty normal to wear blue every day. But um, <clears throat> I don't need counseling. <clears throat> I don't know what your story is, but, you know, we all got a story. Maybe you need some counseling. Maybe you need some help. Maybe, like me, you just tried to power your way through it for years and thought you were all good. But I want to tell you that it's a good, healthy thing to go get some counseling when you need it. Moses needed it. love the worship team to just come up this morning. Revelations 22 says this as we close. This is heaven. Heaven's Garden. We started up in Genesis. We're going to go to Revelations 22. It says, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there will be no more curse because the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. This is a picture of heaven, but I believe this is a picture. We, we are forerunners of heaven. We are ambassadors from heaven on earth. Amen? We, had to, we, we ought to take that and say, God, let that be what's happening inside of my heart, and let it be what's coming out of my life to my workplace, to my family, to my sports team, to... To, to my church, to my small group. Let there be in my heart a river of life. Let my garden of my heart be so kept and just so at peace. Let me have a sweet spirit on the inside that even when I'm going through trouble and going through crisis, there is a peace of God that's flowing through me because I'm trusting in Him and I'm worshiping Him and I'm holding on to Him. And let there be this this healing, this fruit coming forth every month and leaves that were for the healing of the nations. Let there be a healing that's happening in me and a healing that's flowing from me to others. Whatever God is healing in your heart, He's going to release that fragrance through your life to people around you. Maybe He's healing your marriage. There'll be people at your work that'll be like, man, I need help with my marriage. Well, that's because there's a healing God wants to release through you for others. Maybe He's healing your relationship with your children or with your parents. Maybe He's, he's healing something that's been there for a long time. He's pulling some roots up. He wants to do that to release that fruit and that healing through you to others. Amen?
This is a picture of what God wants in our hearts. And I've touched on a range of things today that God may be speaking to you about. Maybe some rocks in your heart. Maybe some weeds that have been growing there. Maybe there's some healing tears that you need to release. Maybe you've realized there's a coping mechanism that you've been holding on to for too long. That God says it's time to let go of that. The time for that is over. Maybe you need some counsel. Maybe you need to go see somebody. Say, you know what? I need to talk through this thing that's going on. I, I can't figure it out on my own. I need to get some wisdom and some help for that. As we sing this song, I would love to pray with you if you would like prayer for one of those. I'm going to open up the altar and just invite you to come to the front and uh, receive some prayer ministry because there is one who can heal the heart like no other I know. There's one who gave a sacrificial act of love like no other we will ever know. The Holy Spirit is here. His presence was so beautifully here in the worship, and He is the master gardener. He is the one that can bring truth and displace the lies like nobody else I know. So if you like prayer, then feel free to come. Let's stand to our feet and sing the song together.